Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. I thank God that we're able to be together to start this day in prayer. Today is Tuesday. This is the 22nd week after Pentecost. This week we continue reading the book of 1 Samuel. And now we begin our time of prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving, and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God, and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hand are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. A reading from 1 Samuel Chapter 8. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not follow in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us, then, a king to govern us, like other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to govern us. Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them just as they have done to me from the day I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So also they are doing to you. Now then listen to their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel reported all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest, and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers, and he will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and his courtiers. 
He will take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and donkeys and put them to his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks, and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we are determined to have a king over us, so that they may, so that we may also be like the other nations, and that our king may govern us, and go out before us, and fight our battles. When Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to their voice, and set a king over them. Samuel then said to the people of Israel, Each of you return home. And just like that, an era comes to an end. Samuel's sons behave only slightly better than Eli's sons behaved, and Samuel's age makes the tribal elders wonder what might be coming next. Most certainly, as Samuel ages and his sons grow more corrupt, a period of instability, unrest, and with an absence of leadership, a time of chaos, and without without his leadership and and a united purpose for the country, they will be more vulnerable to the aggression of their neighbors. And, and that's another evil outworking of the corruption now of Samuel's sons. Their corruption, like the corruption of Eli's sons, undermines the unity and cohesiveness of the nation in favor of those who can put a bribe in their hand. The nation's not working for everybody. Not everybody has a part in it, but only those who can pay to have justice administered by Samuel's sons. The selfishness and greed of Samuel's sons disqualified them as leaders for the nation. After all, who wants to go out into battle or rally their family uh, to fight behind a, a person whose only interest is their own personal gain? No one. No one wants to do that, at least not voluntarily. And so the elders come to the conclusion that the best thing these tribes can do to provide for their ongoing stability and common defense is to appoint a king to rule over them, just as the other nations have. The king will be able to unite the people under one flag, administer the affairs of the nation, and provide an army for its defense, and perhaps even lead to the expansion of the nation's power and influence in the world. So Samuel will be the last of the judges. A king will take his place. Over the course of these next few years, every aspect of life in Israel will be transformed. The Lord tells Samuel to warn the elders about the future that they are now choosing, and that it will come to them at great cost as the royal household and all that goes with establishing and maintaining a monarchy begins to ripple through the lives of the people. What Samuel describes can be seen as the cost of maintaining a central government and a standing army, and in the context of this story, it can also be seen as institutionalizing, really, the corruption of Samuel and Eli's sons, as they exact now a royal tax on all to pay and to reward their officers and courtiers. Yet God consents to their plan, and the Lord instructs Samuel to provide for them a king, 
conversation between God and Samuel about this dramatic change in the political and economic life of God's people is fascinating, and I hope that we can spend some time meditating on it and pondering all that's packed into this one chapter of the story. Take some time to go over it, uh, maybe a few times. On the one hand, the Lord tells Samuel that this move is not a rejection of Samuel or Samuel's leadership, but a rejection of God's own rule over God's own people. In this larger story of God rescuing Israel from slavery, then God forming this nation into God's own people with a covenant and laws that are designed to shine the light of God's glory to the world, followed by God guiding them through the wilderness and at last into the land that God had promised to their ancestors as an inheritance. In this larger story, settling in the land is an end to itself, the fulfillment of God's promise. And so it is a glimpse at the kingdom of God and and God's desire for God's people to love and serve God, to live in peace, to love and serve their neighbor in a place where each is free and has a piece of the promise that God has made from the least to the greatest. And yet Israel has been incapable of living in and sustaining the promise of life in the promised land, and so they submit once again to the yoke of a king. At the same time, however, God is willing to work with Israel under this new arrangement. It is as if the form of government, though not ideal, is really not the most important aspect of this nation's life with their God. Instead, now God will look to the king to lead the people, not only politically and militarily and economically, but but also to keep them in the path of God. As we have heard earlier, God is searching for a leader who will live according to the heart and mind of God, a man, a person after God's own heart. So I hope we are starting to hear the emergence of some themes that make up large rivers within the main story of what God, God's people, and the redemption of God's whole creation will look like. Because each of these themes points us forward to Jesus. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, and you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ and all gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the communion of faith in your church, for the gift of relationship with others, 
For what else are we thankful? Merciful God, O might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all of your children and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land and especially for the people of our congregation. For those who govern the nations of the world, for people in countries ravaged by strife and warfare, for all who work for peace and international harmony, for all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction. For who else or for what else do we pray this morning? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us in your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.